0: text from a theological perspective is a strange one, a couple of things about it that might be worth knowing. It is only mentioned by John. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all leave this story out. Then again, church folks always have been a little bit squeamish about wine only mentioned by John, and also the placement of John is interesting because for John to mention it so early in his gospel account of Jesus' life and ministry is to elevate it in importance. Placing it in John chapter 2, he's making a statement. Hey, look at this. Notice this. This is important. Most people try to glaze really quickly over the fact that the first thing Jesus did that was miraculous was was not healing or not uh, restoring or not casting out devils. The first thing Jesus did that was miraculous was he, he turned water into wine. Matthew, Mark, and Luke begin their gospel accounts by tracing Jesus' genealogy letting you know where he descended from on the natural side and telling the story of his birth. They are preoccupied with proving the fact that not only did he have a claim to be the spiritual Messiah, he also had a claim to be the rightful king of Israel because of his bloodline john however ignores his genealogy and ignores the story of his birth and goes all the way back to the beginning in john chapter 1 verse 1 and says in the beginning was The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life. And that life was the light of men, light shone in the darkness. Darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness of the light. He was not that light. He came to bear witness of the light that all men by him would believe. Then he goes on in verse 14 to say, That word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the wonder of his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, John is committed to teaching the theological high mark principle that Jesus is God. Oh, that's that's good theology right there. You, you'll do great in your theology, and you'll do great in your belief system as long as you can square this, that Jesus is God. That the same word in the beginning that was used to create the universe, that same word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus is God. God and it's the power of that point in John chapter 1 Jesus is God that makes John chapter 2 such a conundrum because John chapter 1 theological masterpiece starting in the beginning with creation crescendoing with Jesus is God John chapter 1 Jesus is God John chapter 2 Jesus set a party A wild party. A party that had been going on for three days. I don't know when the last time you partied for three days was. But things can get a little wild when you've been partying for... In the Jewish culture, marriage was the highest celebrated act. It was the highest... Form of celebration, they would often have wedding feasts, festivals, parties that lasted for up to seven days. This is the third day of a seven day event, but these crazy jokers got so happy that they drank seven days worth of wine. Notice, the Bible doesn't say they ran out of food. (laughs) Plenty of food. But in three days, they did run out of wine. Now, the the, the, the Jesus that John reveals in chapter 1 and the Jesus that John reveals in chapter 2 Are two extremes of one God. They they reveal how multifaceted and how broad his personality is. Chapter 1, creating all things by the power of his word. Chapter 2, at a party. Look at your God. Powerful enough to create the universe by speech relational enough to attend a party as an invited guest. Verse 1 and 2, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana of Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. And when the wine was gone, verse 3, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. Might I point out that this is not Jesus' problem. Might I point out, this isn't even a problem at all. Most people that came to Jesus had real problems. You know, four friends uh, brought their friend laying on a stretcher to Jesus. And the crowd was too great for them to get in the house. So they climbed up on the roof and tore a hole in it. And they lowered the man down to Jesus. Because the man had a real problem. Blind Bartimaeus was on the highway side begging, and he heard Jesus was passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me, because he had a real problem. The woman with the issue of blood crawled through a crowd so weak she could could barely keep her consciousness, and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment because she had a real problem. Mary and Martha reached out to Jesus because their brother Lazarus died, They had a real problem. Most people that came to Jesus had real problems. Running out of wine is not a real problem. And yet he adopts the problem to let us know that God cares about the little things. And he wanted me to tell you this morning that he cares about The little things. Nudge your neighbor and tell him he cares about the little things. Or maybe, possibly, it could be that he did it to show God's commitment to a wedding. Chapter one, he's creating the world. Chapter two, He's at a wedding. Where have I heard that before? He's creating the world, one. And then in two, he's at, a, he's at a wedding. That sounds like John. It also sounds like Genesis. Genesis one, he's creating the world. Genesis two, he's at a wed- the first wedding Adam and Eve. Maybe he agreed to do it. To show God's age-old commitment to two people coming together in holy matrimony. Maybe it's appropriate for him to be at a wedding after creating all things. Maybe that was the order. He wanted to create all things and then, and then give the dominion of what he created to two people that came into holy matrimony at a wedding Chapter 1, he's creating all things. Chapter 2, he's at a wedding. And this particular wedding that he's at, is it's running out of wine. Now, wine in the scripture is a type of joy. You probably understand why. But if you look past the carnal implications of it and you sense the spiritual purpose, Jesus is at an occasion... That should be a happy occasion, a joyous occasion, a wild occasion, you know you you could be a business executive and, and conquer the world and do all this kind of great stuff, but but you, you may never dance any other time, but when they get you out on the dance floor at the wedding reception, you know you 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 bust those moves and show what you got, you know it's It's like the one time people people kind of let their guard down and they, and they dance and they do the limbo and, and they do the stinky leg or stinky leg or whatever, stinky, stanky. It's like the one time, you know. But the wedding he's at, it's running out of wine it's running out of joy something that should be beautiful and exciting and and silly and, and goofy and fun it's 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 running out i want wonder how many of your weddings are running out of wine wonder wonder how many of your personal lives are are running out of wine how how, how many of your finances is just running running out of of wine how, how many of you have, have a mental health capacity that's just running out, running out of wine and you're still here, you, you, you haven't checked out, you know? you're still married, you haven't checked out. You're still going to work every day, you haven't checked out, but you, you're there, but you're running out. You're running out of that, that thing that you need to make life pleasurable and life enjoyable and life and life sweet. And perhaps it's more significant than we realize that Jesus chose to start things off at a wedding of two people who were running out. God cares about what you are running out of. And the Bible says in verse 4 He says, Woman, why? Why do you involve me? It's not my problem. They drink all the wine, send them home. And, and then he reveals the real reason that he said that because he says, it's that last part, my hour has not yet come. In other words, this miracle you're asking me for has nothing to do with my purpose. In other words, heaven has not scheduled or endorsed this miracle. This is just something you want. It has nothing to do with my predestined purpose. And yet she asks him because she knows God occasionally will give unscheduled miracles. That, that occasionally God can be moved not just by what you need. Occasionally he'll be moved by what you want. That, that he's God enough to create the whole world and yet he's relational and tender enough to say because of our connection and because of our relationship... I'll let you pull my power into your own motives and your own purpose, and I'll give you an unscheduled miracle. And I just want to tell somebody who needs to hear it, unscheduled miracles are coming your way in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, my hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do Whatever he tells you to do. Mama, did you hear me? I just said my hour has not yet come. She does what most mamas do when you argue with them. She just ignores what he said. She looks at the servants. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I love the wisdom that Mary has here because she knew her son. She doesn't respond to him saying no. Okay. Oh, I wish you could get this. She doesn't respond when God said no. Uh, every prayer isn't answered in the affirmative. Every prayer, he, he doesn't say yes to. Some 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 answers are no, but she doesn't respond when He said no. She has enough faith to believe, ask and leave it up to him. That is a that is an answer for somebody who's been praying about something a long time, and you haven't seen the manifestation. Have the faith to believe, to ask, and then leave it up to him. I need to move on in my notes, but I got to say that to somebody over here who's frustrated with God. You don't like how things are turning out. Listen to me. Believe, ask, and then leave it in his hand. She... she she turns she turns her attention away from him now and she she huddles the servants together okay She huddles all the servants together. I said she huddles all the servants together because she knows if there's going to be a miracle, there's going to have to be some service included. In other words, if you're going to get a miracle, something is going to be uh, required of you. Some serving is going to happen. And and in the scripture, serving God is always hard work. In the scripture, serving God is always difficult. In the scripture, serving God will often lead to times of burnout and difficulty. In the scripture, serving God is always a sweat-inducing challenge. In the scripture, serving God will often put you in difficult places and put a heavy yoke and a heavy weight on you. But it's only by serving God in the scripture that you get the opportunity to participate and have your hands involved in a miracle. And so I know serving the church can get heavy and I know it can get hard serving in the kingdom sometimes and I know there's a lot of things you have to deal with and a lot of bruises you have to get along the way when you're serving the house of God but don't forget the benefits because it's when you put your hands to the service of the kingdom of God that you get a front row seat to observe with your eyes the power and magnificence and wonder and glory of God coming into the earth. She she goes to the servants and she says whatever he tells you to do do it. Mama's wise. Somebody say mama's wise. She's, she get the servants involved first because there's gotta be a servant somewhere for there to be a miracle anywhere. Look through your Bible, find every miracle. You won't find a miracle without a servant somewhere in the back, Ground. Time will not allow me to tell you of the miracles Elijah performed, and with every miracle, somewhere in the text in the background is his servant. Time will not allow me to tell you of how Moses performed miracles for the children of Israel, but right there in the background was Aaron, his servant. Time will not allow me to tell you every miracle Jesus performed. There were 12 servants called the disciples walking right behind him. Time will not allow me to. To tell you of how Paul healed people and Peter healed people by a shadow falling on them but right there in the background of the text will always be a servant serving is brutal serving is an ugly job serving is exhausting serving is painful but it's the only place where you see miracles and so and so she gets the servants involved and and by getting the servants involved he hadn't said yes yet but by getting the servants involved. Never underestimate your importance in serving your church. Never underestimate the importance of being a parking lot attendant, welcoming people into the presence of God. Never underestimate the importance of running a soundboard, creating an atmosphere for the people of God. Never underestimate playing the organ behind a screaming preacher, helping facilitate the ministry of the Word of God. Never underestimate serving in kids' ministry. Never Underestimate coming to food pantry. Never underestimate being an usher. Never underestimate serving in the kingdom of God because he said no. She went to the servants, said, whatever. Oh, Jesus, I feel a preach coming. She said, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it. Now, the servants are looking at Jesus. What do you want us to do? The servants now are staring, Just waiting around us. What would you like us to do? And there's something about God. Mary is cluing us in on one of God's weaknesses. God cannot resist an atmosphere of expectancy. God cannot resist a servant looking at him and saying would you like me to do something for you see it's hard being a servant but there's some benefits too would you like me to do something for you can I serve you you need me to do something you need me to get something you need me to work on something you need me to volunteer can I carry a box can I hold a door can I set something up can I tear down some chair can I do something for you and it was the expectancy of the Servants. It was the expectancy of the servant, not the request of his mother. It was the expectancy of the servants that forced God into giving them an instruction. tell you something you never heard before when you want a miracle what you need first is an instruction because miracles and instructions are tied together and so Jesus looks at them and sighs real deep (sighs) looks over at all the intoxicated people These wild people. Okay. Um, You see those six stone water pots holding 20 to 30 gallons of water each? Pick up that giant stone water pot with your hand. Carry it over to the well and fill them up with 20 to 30 gallons of water. Never let anybody tell you that serving in ministry ain't brutal work. Sweat work, heavy work. I will serve you. You remember that? i will serve you i will serve you i will serve you you can't fight you don't remember (laughs) with my hands with my heart oh lord i'll give my all i will serve you i will serve will serve you. I will serve you. I will serve you. I will serve you. With my hands, with my heart. Oh Lord, I give my serve. Q. I will save The night Tutor Bisbart laid his hands on me and called me into the ministry. I stayed up all night speaking in tongues. Couldn't go to sleep. Woke up, went to my piano, and I wrote that song when I was 14 years old. I felt God calling me and my answer to his call was i will serve you i will serve you and, and, and but here's the problem when you agree to serving god it very rarely looks like what you think It's going to look like when you say yes to God, it very rarely materializes in a way that, that you would even agree with if you could see the future coming in the right now. And, and the servants had said, yes, we will serve because Mary was talking about the wine. But when Jesus calls them into service, he doesn't say anything about why. He tells them to go work and get water. What do you do when you're praying for wine and God sent you to go work with water? This ain't what I signed up for. Back again. Twenty to thirty gallons a piece, six times. I got a backache. Serving that doesn't hurt's isn't serving. The question is, the question every servant that's serving hard and that's serving till it hurts, the question they ask is, eventually, why am I doing this? You called me into this service because we, we were dealing with the problem of wine. And now I've been working for you and laboring and serving, and all you got me dealing with, Is water and there's a temptation there's a temptation to start to resent what God puts you to work on after you said yes You said, Lord, you delivered me from the abuse. You delivered me from the drugs. You delivered me from my past. You delivered me from the home I grew up in. You broke the generational curses off of me. You saved my soul. You filled me with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. You've blessed my life. You've given me blessings I could have never received myself on my own. You've been gracious to me. you cleaned up all my nastiness. You've been kind to me. You've been better to me than I have to you. You've been better to me than I deserve. You've been better to me than I've been to my own self and God I love you and I honor you and I just want to serve you until until it doesn't look like what you thought or until somebody offends you while you're carrying water together Because notice, he didn't just ask one servant to get the water. He told them all to. Because the kingdom and service in the kingdom is more than just about you or your position you've been called to serve in. God doesn't call anybody to serve alone. He calls us to serve in concert. That's why your ministry isn't about you. That's why your gift is not even about you. Your gift is a small part in the overall body of Jesus Christ, I'm sick of this water. You ever get sick of the water? Let's just be honest, you know? You ever get sick of what he's called you to do? I submit to you, you haven't really, truly served him until you get sick of what he's called you to do. until you get sick of the people you're serving with. If Fred bumps into me one more time while I'm carrying this water, I've almost tripped four times. If he hits me again, put this water pot down, and I'm going to bust him in his jaw. I'm sick of these people. Jim ain't carrying the water right. If he put it higher up on his shoulder, he'd have more leverage. It wouldn't take so much balance. It wouldn't be so much... Where's the organization anyway? Nobody's organized around here. Why can't people be on time? Why can't they walk in rhythm? Why can't they be in step? I hate everybody. Because you're a professional water carrier and you confuse the kingdom of God with corporate America. Where's the structure? Where's the CFO, CEO? Where's all the contract? Where's all the details? I'm singing this water. But it's a kingdom principle that from dedication comes transformation and they didn't know while they were carrying what they were sick (laughs) of they were carrying the raw materials of a miracle some of you you came in here your wedding's out of wine your relationship with god's run out of wine your relationship with people your relationship with yourself has run out of wine you can't remember the last time you had real joy you can't remember the last time you had real happiness you can't remember the last time you enjoyed your life cuz all you're dealing with with is water but what you don't realize while you're being faithful, you may be in a spot where you're being faithful and you, with an attitude, but, but, but you're being faithful. Being faithful, cussing all the way to church, but you're being faithful. You know? Being faithful, sitting out in your driveway for 45 minutes before you go in and see the wife and the kids or the husband and the kids. But you're being faithful. Being faithful, driving to serve your clients or serve those people at work. And do your job and complete your career, and they don't know you hadn't wanted to be there in five years, but you're being faithful, faithful. and from dedication will come transformation because it was what it was what they were willing to carry. What if all God will transform is the things you're willing to carry? It's not time to quit on that marriage. Carry it. Even if you're the only one, carry it. It's not time to quit on that business. It's not time to quit on that dream. It's not time to quit on those kids and just check out. It's not time to quit. It's not time to quit. It's not time to quit. It's not time to quit on that business. What if God will only transform what you're willing to carry? I don't care what you say. It ain't time to leave the ministry. You may be leaving the ministry, but it's bad timing on your part. It's an ignorant decision because what if God will only transform what you're willing to carry? So they they fill up the stone water pots, and then Jesus, this is the most, it's the most unbelievable thing to me. These servants would have worked for the master of the feast. They would have been employed by the master of the feast, and he tells them to go get a cup of that water. And go serve it to the master of the feast. Say, master, you wanted some wine. Here you go, sir. (laughs) Problem is, when they got it out, it's the water again. But somewhere, I don't know where I searched my Bible. I tried to find it for you. But, but somewhere between scooping out that water and walking it to their boss, God transformed what they were carrying. Don't miss that. God transformed what they were serving. And turned it into something miraculous. What the master called the best. The best of anything will only ever come out of the hands of a real servant. <laughs> oh, preach, Jason Sides. I said the best of anything. The best work. The best the best fulfillment of the contracts you signed, the best promotion, the best, the best chill, the best. It'll always only come out of the hands of a servant who's willing to now serve someone else in public what he's carried in private. See, see, that's what I'm doing right now. And there are some people in this room standing and some sitting and I can see tears streaming down your face you know why you're being blessed because I'm serving in public what I've been carrying in private and God is turning the frail human words of a man he's turning my water into wine in your soul turning my water into wine in your spirit turning my water and God wants to turn your water yeah. Wow. Yeah. into wine. But you got to serve. Serve your family. Serve your children. Serve your spouse. Serve at your job. I know they pay you to be there. But, but, but do you know that if you just give bare minimum at your job, that there's no way to move up? So so take the paycheck and do what you're paid for, but then go the extra mile, Jesus said, and serve in that place. Serve people in your community. Serve in the food pantry. Serve in the church. Serve in the kingdom of God because it's the servants. It's only the servants in the story that had what they carried turned into something supernatural. The best of the best. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise in the house this morning. I speak over your life in the name of Jesus that a transformation is coming. Transformation is coming. Where God by his power is going to take one thing that you've been carrying and turn it into something else. Just, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm so honored that you're here. Wish you knew my heart. So honored that you're here. And I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But I need to be obedient to what I feel the Lord is impressing me to say in my heart. There's a young man, you've got a like a blue teal t-shirt on, you're standing next to a woman with glasses and a striped uh, shirt. The Lord is Sir, the Lord is working a work of transformation in your life. Something you've been carrying for years is about to turn into something else, and it's going to be beautiful. I know the way has been hard sometimes. I know sometimes you felt like you had the weight of the world on your back, and God's made you strong, and you've had to carry a lot, and sometimes you've wondered, is my destiny and purpose only to carry these heavy things and carry heavy people and carry heavy family issues and carry heavy... But God's about to turn the heavy you've been carrying into something beautiful. What, what, what people miss, what, listen, what people miss, what people miss is the transfer of value. I don't want to carry 150 pounds of iron, but I wouldn't mind carrying 150 pounds of gold You see how what it is changes how it feels on your back? You know, if, if you're carrying 100 pounds of iron, you'd kind of start complaining after a while. But if you're carrying 100 pounds of gold, if I can just take one more step, I'm one more step closer to getting this thing home and getting it turned into money. It, it changes it. And the servants, they're carrying six stone water pots, 20 to 30 gallons of water a piece in them. But... But what they didn't realize was the value of what it was going to be turned into. And what you don't realize, those of you that have a heavy burden, those of you that have a burden on you that makes you feel like it's going to break your back, those of you that are dealing with family circumstances and circumstances on your job and circumstances in your mind, and it's so heavy sometimes it feels like it's going to break you, what you don't realize is the value of that heavy is about to be inverted. Instead of a heavy load, it's going to be a heavy blessing. Instead of a heavy load, it's going to be a heavy story that you can turn around and write a book and make a million dollars off of. Instead instead of heavy turmoil, it's going to flip and turn into heavy peace. When it turns, when it turns. Listen to me, when it turns. Say that with me, when it turns. Think about whatever's heavy on you and say the words, when it turns. When Jesus turned the water into wine, it flipped everything. And can you imagine the servants? Everybody's dancing, everybody's having fun again, everybody's celebrating, everybody's partying, and here's the servants over in the corner looking at it saying, yeah, I carried that. I carried that. I carried that. That's the joy of the servant, getting to look back and see the people that you served blessed by what you carried. That's the reward. So don't sign up for it if you don't understand what the reward is. The reward's not a crowd. It's not a crown. It's not accolades. It's not gold and silver. The reward is looking back at what God does with what you carried in their lives. And you get to say, carried that. One day, you're going to look back at a beautiful marriage that at times was ugly, and you're going to say, I carried that. One day, you're going to look at a full bank account when it was once bleeding dry, and you're going to smile, and you're going to say, I carried that. One day, you're going to look at those kids that are so beautiful and so mature and so successful, and you're going to think back to when they were so wild, and and you're going to say, I carried that. In the name of Jesus, be encouraged. What you're carrying is not going to kill you. God's going to transform it into something beautiful. God's going to make it the best in your life there is value in what you've chosen to carry even if it just looks like water right now so be encouraged and be filled with hope we serve a God of miracles and transformation we serve a God that is able to take the water and turn it and turn it and turn it into wine in Jesus' name. Give the Lord one more hand praise. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost when I think about the Lord. How he picked me up turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. Makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your word of all of the glory and all of the honor all the praise. Listen, listen, I gotta let you go, but what I, what I feel to do, uh, sewing happens in a church in cycles and seasons. Some people participate in seasons of heavy sewing, some people don't. It, you have to kind of know what spot you're in. You have to know when a giving challenge is for you. But there's 75 of you in here right now, I can feel it in my spirit. There's 75 of you in here, and how I know it is you'll feel it when I say it, and if it's not you, don't worry about it. But there's 75 of you in here that are going through the first steps of a transformation. And you need to sow a transformation seed. I just feel to challenge you in your faith to sow a transformation seed. Okay? So those are strict parameters. If you're not going through a transformation in a certain situation, a certain area, don't worry about it. But for 75 of you, I want to challenge your faith to sow a $100 seed. Or as close as you can get to it. God knows your heart. God knows where you're at. But 75 people, a $100 seed, and I want you to write transformation on it. If you're giving it on your phone, just text yourself, transformation. Text your own phone number, transformation. Something where you'll see the words along with your seed transformation a transformation seed where God's taking your water and turning it into wine God's taking your pain and the load you've been carrying and turning it into something else and if you if you're in the place and you have another kind of offering or another kind of thing you just want to give that's fine that's up to you but for those 75 I'm talking to I challenge your faith in Jesus name I challenge you to bring an offering to the kingdom of God a seed for transformation Hundred dollars, if that's you, get that envelope or get your phone out, or you, you can give by check or however cash, however you want to give. But however you're doing it, I want you to I want you to hear this challenge in your spirit by faith, sowing a one hundred dollar seed for transformation of that thing, whatever that thing is, whatever that pot you're carrying is full of something that you're through with, full of something that you're done with. You want to see God bring transformation. I want to challenge you to sow. Sow that seed right now in Jesus' name. Hands lifted all over the house, Father, for every person responding to this in their faith. That's what giving challenges are all about. It's about what you do when you see our faith in action. It's what you do, Lord, when you see what we're willing to carry. There are seventy-five people that are standing up saying, "I'm willing to carry this offering." And Lord, I know you're going to turn one thing into something else. There's seventy-five servants in here. They saying, "You know what? I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to carry." I'm going to carry my part of this offering. I'm going to help carry the church's vision and mission, everything the church is doing in the community. I'm going to sow this $100 in to help the kingdom of God go forward. I'm a servant. I'm a carrier. I'm going to carry this thing. But, But, Lord, I'm believing you for transformation. Whoever you are, however you're giving, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless it, multiply it, strengthen it, and cause it to come back to them transformed in Jesus' name. Everyone say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you are the Lord of miracles. I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I believe on the third day, you rose bodily from the grave with all power and that you were seated in heavenly places Today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. And I ask that you begin to lead me by your spirit. And oh God, turn my water into wine. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. I love you so much. If you have an offering, a seed or anything, you can come and give it. And then you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.